0: Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, everybody. I, I am so, so glad that you're with us online tonight. And the message that I'm going to share with you uh, is very different than what I had originally planned. I, I had a different direction that I was going, but I felt like the Lord... Specifically put on my heart to share with you about how to know the will of God. And uh, this, th- this is going to be simple. For some of you, this is just going to be a lot of review. But for others of you, uh, this is literally going to be a life changing message. Because every Christian wants to be right in the middle of the will of God. We want to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Not, nah, Well, you're done. No, we want to hear the right reward from the Lord. So how do we know God's will? Well, first and foremost, the number one way is his word. And Habakkuk said, I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart and watch or look to see what he will say to me. Look to see what he will say to me. Uh, one evangelist said it like this. When you have a verse, you never need a voice. When you have a verse, you never need a voice. Because literally, the Bible is God speaking to you and to me. We need to take the Bible as a letter that God has written to us. And the Bible is the will of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he has spoken in his word by his spirit, he will never contradict. So God didn't have the Holy Spirit inspire someone to write and then contradict that later. God's will is his word. And for us to be in God's will, we need to know what it is that God has spoken in his word. Uh, The great English preacher, Charles Spurgeon said this, no one ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. Uh, I've read the Bible cover to cover over 120 times. And I, I absolutely agree with Charles Spurgeon that every time I read the Bible, there's more, it's deeper, it's wider. There's more, there's, there's more understanding. It's not like we just read something and we've read it and that's it. No, it widens and it deepens as we go. In John chapter 12, Jesus is preaching and he says, Father, glorify your name. Now listen to this. And a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. And Jesus said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. So literally, God speaks from heaven. And Jesus says, it's not for me. It's because God is speaking to you, the people. And some of them said it was thunder. Some people thought maybe an angel spoke. They were not even able to comprehend when God spoke to him. And Jesus said, that was supposed to be for you, but they didn't pick it up. And that is so true today. So many people have got, they're full of tradition, but they don't have the word of God in their heart. And Jesus said that because of the traditions of men, we make the word of God of no effect. We need to find the word, get the word in us. A number of years ago, when we were still in our old sanctuary, uh, I remember we had a prayer time. And a a man and a woman came up, and they said, well, we want you to pray for us. And and I said, well, what do you want me to pray about? And they said, well, unspoken, unspoken request. And I said, well, I really need to know, what is it that you want me to pray about? And they kind of hemmed and hawed. And then finally, they said, well, we want to know if God wants him to divorce his wife and me to divorce my husband so that we can get married. And they said, no, will you pray for us? And I said, no. I said, I won't pray for you. And they were a little bit upset, and they said, well, why not? I said, because we have God's word. God's word says I hate divorce. God is not going to tell you one thing in the Bible and then tell you something different when you pray as an answer to your prayer. Right? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, he is actually in a confrontation with the devil. The devil has come and said, Jesus, make the stones that are here on the ground turn to bread. And Jesus said, it's written. You see, the way that we have victory over the devil is when we speak the word of God. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about the armor of God, there is only one offensive weapon, and that is the sword of the Spirit. It's the rhema of God. And he said, that's the sword of the Spirit. And it's with that that we are going to come and we are going to be able to withstand the enemy. Now, again, the Greek word there is rhema, and it actually means the word that's been revealed to you that's spoken. You take what God has has revealed to you and you speak it. So it's as you and I meditate on the word of God, that God's word becomes the rhema in our hearts. That's how we defeat the devil. And of course, God said to Joshua, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. So we're supposed to speak the word, but we're supposed to meditate in the word. And what happens when we meditate in God's word? That means that we we, we think about it. We muse it. We personalize it. We, We see ourselves in that situation. We see how it applies to us. As we do that, That's what changes us. When we meditate on the word, we get the revelation of that word. And literally the number one way that God will always lead and guide is through his word. And he will never by his spirit or any other way violate the word of God. Now, the second way is peace. Very simply, the devil can counterfeit a lot of things, but he can never counterfeit the peace of God. The Bible says, let the peace of Christ, that inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts. One translation says, let it be the umpire in making all of your decisions. The umpire in making all of your decisions. So if you're thinking about doing something and you have peace, that's the umpire saying you're safe. You're in the will of God. But when you don't have peace, It's the umpire saying, if you do that thing, you will be out of the will of God. I think every one of us can think of times in our lives where something looked really, really good. And we may have had people encouraging us to go in that direction, but something on the inside was just kind of scratching. There was no peace. And what this verse is saying, is saying that peace is your umpire. And if you don't have that peace and you do it, you will be out of the will of God. I have had a number of times where everything looked so good and I wanted to do it and there was just something on the inside. There was just no peace. I did it anyway. Every time it turned out bad, every time. And you can probably tell stories of the same thing because that peace is supposed to be our umpire. Again, Satan can counterfeit a lot, but he cannot counterfeit. God's peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives you peace. Now, the second thing here, the third really, uh, and I'm just gonna call it grace. When you're in the will of God, there is a grace on your life to do what you're doing. Um, When Jeannie and I had been married about uh, one, two, three, three years, we were, at that point, we were missionaries in Mexico. In fact, we celebrated our first anniversary in Mexico. We were in Guadalajara. But then we moved out to an Indian village, Ixmiquilpan, about hundred miles from Mexico City. And we were living mainly with the Otomi Indians. It was an Indian center. Uh, we, what we did there, we, we worked with a national pastor who taught me so much about ministry. And most of what we did was we would go out in the mountains and we would preach. And in most of the places that we would go, you'd have to, well, there were no roads. You'd have to walk or you'd, you'd ride a mule, sometimes four, six, eight, 10, 12, up to 24 hours walking or riding a mule to get out to a village. No electricity, no running water, uh, no bathrooms. And we'd be there for three days and, and come back. Well, we're living in this, in this one village. Um, Right, We lived right at the edge of town. In fact, between the main part of town and our house was a river. And that river had a bridge that people would walk across all day long. Been there for a couple hundred years. But because they would come from the country and then just about come into town, right before town, there were no public bathrooms in town. So many people would just stop right outside our house and just Squat down, or and uh, urinate and defecate, and it was uh, it was not a real pretty situation. But Jeannie and I were there, and I mean, we absolutely loved that place. We just thought it was the greatest place in the world. We were we were we were looking at a, a little block house. We were we thought about buying that house, and we planned to stay right there for the rest of our lives. We were just happy, 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 happy working there in this village. Well, I'm out praying, I was doing a prayer walk, and 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 I I felt like I received direction from God. It was just an inner witness. I'm gonna talk about this in a moment, but it's an inner witness. It's just like you're gonna leave, you're gonna to go to Guadalajara, and they're gonna be asked to teach in a Bible school there, and I want you to go. Well, when that happened, it was like a light turned on on the inside of me. I mean, just like, bam, I went, yes, teaching a Bible college. Um, where we were at, there was so much tradition. Um, okay, I can explain. Like uh, in church, all the ladies had to wear a head covering. The women sat on one side. The men sat on the other side. Um, the songs that we would sing uh, were, were just so old and traditional and, and full of unbelief. Uh, there was actually a song that we would sing in church. "Gusano," uh, so I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm a maggot in the dust, and and we're trying to counteract that with the Word of God and, and build people's faith up, but it's just constant work. So when when I got that that, that inner witness, like you're going to go to Guadalajara, you're going to teach in this Bible school, I was like, yes. So uh, I said to Jeannie, I said, hey, honey. I said, uh, I feel like the Lord has spoke to me and we're going to move. We're going to go to Guadalajara. We're going to teach in a Bible school. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, uh, I don't think that's right. She said, uh, look at all the good we're doing here. The people that are getting saved, the churches that are getting started. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, it was not glorious. You know, you're walking for hours and you sleep on a dirt floor in in a church and you're out there, there's no bathrooms, there's no running water, there's no electricity. And she says, you know, I think maybe you're just uh, kind of got to the point where you don't want to suffer anymore. And uh, you, you just want looking for something easy, like, like teaching in a Bible college in a big city. And uh, she says, I don't think that's right. And I said, well, honey, you just pray about it. And she said, well, okay, I'll pray about it. Now, remember, we are just as happy as we could possibly be living in this village. So... I'm off preaching out in a village somewhere for three days, and she's alone for three days. And, and I come back, and, and I don't know if I got home 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I opened the door to the house, and Jeannie was right there. And and, and she, she said to me something that, that kind of blew my mind. She says, have you ever seen our village? And I'm thinking, well, of course. I've been living here for two years. I've seen our village. And she begins to talk about the things in our village that – I'm going to say it, were, that were, that were negatives. And she mentioned everybody stopping right in front of our house, maybe 50 to 100 people a day and defecating right in front of our house. And, and uh, our, our oldest son was uh, just like two years old. And he was one of these little super blind kids, you know, with, with blue eyes. Well, we're living in an Indian village. And many of the people had uh, never seen anybody like that. And so wherever he went, wherever we took our little son, everybody would want to touch his head, look at, feel his blonde hair. And the most common question that we were asked, because his eyes were blue, was, can he see? And we'd say, yes, he can see. And then they'd say, well, does he see everything blue? And we would say, well, do you see everything brown? And, you know, everybody would laugh, right? And wherever we took him, if if we left him to play with some kids, all the kids would just take all their toys and put them in front of him and watch him. He was just such a novelty. And uh, there were were just so many negative things about the village. And Jeannie said to me, she says, well, she says, "Uh, I want to leave and go to Guadalajara. And I said, well, you know, in a couple months, we'll do that. And she says, no, like, I want to leave tonight. Now, literally what happened was God took her grace away. When the grace of God is on you to do something, other people will look at you and think, don't you know how bad it is? Don't you see how tough it is? Don't you see how you're missing out? Don't you see how you're you're, you're lacking? And you are happy, 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 happy because you're in the will of God and God's grace is on you. That grace is a supernatural ability to do what you couldn't do without that grace. And when you're in the will of God, that grace is on you. And when it was time to leave, God literally took his grace away from Jeannie. And it was like, okay, I see everything different, like that fast. So one of the ways God leads us is with his word. One of the ways is with peace. One of the ways is with grace. When we're in the will of God, we've got grace to do something. But all of a sudden, when, we're, when, when when that grace is lifted, we'll see something else and be ready to go in a different direction. And then there's the inner witness. I mentioned it before, but in 1 John 2, 27, it says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, it's talking about the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. And it says he teaches us. You know, right now, I'm I'm teaching the word of God. But what's happening on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit is going, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. See, Now, I, I may be communicating, but it really is the spirit of God that takes those truths and puts them down on the inside of us. Now, so when you're listening to me, that spirit's going, that's right, that's right. Now, if somebody else is preaching, maybe they'll go, that's the Holy Ghost Spirit will go, that's right, that's right, that's wrong. <laughs> now, the truth is the Holy Spirit may speak to you sometime and say, that's not right, that's not right. Right? As He's teaching you, he's that, that anointing is saying, yes, 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 yes. You know, and we get that inner witness, that's right. That's right, that's right. And there's times the Spirit of God will just put something on the inside of us. We can call it an inner knowing, right? Now in Acts 27, notice this it says, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo of the ship, but also in lives. So Paul is a prisoner. He's being sent to Rome, and they're they're on an island, and he says, You know, I perceive. He says, I don't, didn't God didn't speak to me. An angel didn't come, but he says, I just perceive, I just, I just know. There's this inner knowing. He says that if we leave, there's going to be problems. We're going to lose the ship. We may even lose people's lives. Now, it, it ended up they left in exactly what Paul perceived. But notice, it wasn't that he had a voice. He just knew. He just knew on the inside. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And as believers, we need to know the word of God, but we also need to know the spirit of God. He teaches us, he witnesses to us, he shows us things to come. And then, and this is absolutely huge. Uh, The Bible says this in Philippians 2 and 13, for God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want those things that please him and to work for them inspiring you to want the things that please him and to work for him. Now, in Acts 7, verse 23, it says, Now, when Moses is the full 40 years old, it comes into the heart of Moses, or came into the heart of Moses to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now, he's been living in Pharaoh's house for at least 35 years. And all of a sudden, at 40, it came into his heart. God put a desire inside his heart. That's where that desire came from. It came into his heart. God put it there. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's not talking about a new car or a vacation or a house or a dress. When it's talking there about the desires of your heart, it's talking about God putting a direction on the inside of you. When Jeannie and I were living there in Mexico as missionaries, uh, we, we absolutely loved being missionaries. And I could not imagine doing anything except be a missionary. Uh, in fact, in, in my mind, to be a failure as a minister was to be a pastor in America. When you could be out where we were, in the, in the trenches, winning souls, starting churches, doing evangelistic campaigns. Uh, I just thought, this, this is where it, people should be, Christians should be. So we, we go to St. Louis, Missouri, to a missions conference. And Marilyn Hickey is speaking at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday. And I'm listening to her. I'm, I'm sitting in the back and listening to her preach. And, and I have a visitation. Literally, the Spirit of the Lord just came and put a desire on the inside of me to leave Mexico, to move to Cran Rapids, Michigan, and to pastor a church. It, if, if you had, had told me 10 minutes beforehand that I would ever want to do that, I would have laughed at you. I would have thought, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard of because that was not in my heart. But just that fast, God dropped it in my heart. Now, the Bible says when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. I think where we tend to miss it is in the first part of this verse where it says to delight yourself In the Lord, right? We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. And when He does, we do. He will give us the desires of our heart. Every major move, every major move that that Jeannie and I have made has come through desire. Through desire. Now, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He puts a desire inside us. For some of you, that desire might be to start a business. For somebody else, that desire might be to simply make a pie and take it over to your neighbor somebody else, it might be uh, to get involved ministering to children or youth. God wants you to do something. The way that he'll do that is put desires inside you. I remember years ago, a man came to me who had been saved maybe a year, and he said, he said uh, I, I, I want to go to the hospital and pray for the sick. Do you think that's God? And I said to him, I said, well, before you were a Christian, did you want to go to the hospital and lay your hands on sick people? He said, no. He said, I wanted to get as far away from sick people as I possibly could. I said, well, that's God putting that desire inside your heart. In every Christian, every Christian, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he puts desires on the inside of us that are his will for our life. Now, here's one that... um, doesn't happen every day, but definitely does happen. It says this in First Samuel, chapter three, and verse one. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now, if you read through the prophets, you'll hear you'll, you'll read this phrase again and again. The word of the Lord came unto him saying. The word of the Lord came unto him saying. And it says here that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. In other words, there weren't a lot of people who were hearing God speak, right? And there was no widespread revelation. Well, Samuel is laying down and God calls to him and says, Samuel. And he runs to Eli and says, you called. And Eli said, no, I didn't call. And the third time that the voice says, Samuel, he runs to Eli and, and Eli perceives It's God. And so he said, next time you hear it, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's what happened. The voice came again. And he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, here's what I want you to catch. To Samuel, it was audible. To Eli, who was in the next room, it was not. But it was the word of the Lord that came unto him. Now, in 1 Samuel 9, it says, the Lord... Now, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before that Saul came. So Saul, who was going to become king, was going to come the day before. God spoke to him in his ear. In his ear. We call it an audible voice. And to the person who hears it, it's audible. To others that are there, they probably will not hear anything. Samuel heard it. Eli didn't hear it. And God spoke to Samuel in his ear. Now, if it happens, it's great. It's not something we need to seek after, but it does happen on occasion. When I was first saved, I hadn't been saved 6 months yet. I was thinking about going to Bible college, and my my parents really wanted me to stay at Calvin College. And I wanted to honor my parents, but at the same time, there was this desire on the inside to go to Dallas, to go to a Bible college. And I remember I was praying in my bedroom. Uh, I was uh, leaning on my knees and I prayed and I said, God, I don't know what to do. My parents want me to stay and I want to honor them. But in my heart, I just really want to go to Bible college. And I heard an audible voice that said, get up and go to Dallas. Now that's where the Bible school was. And I mean, it literally freaked me out where I looked around. Was there somebody there? To me, it was audible. If you had been there, you probably wouldn't have heard it. Now, I haven't had that happen a lot of times, but there have been times when it happens. Now, uh, two more things I want to mention. First one is in Acts 16, and I think this is super, super important. Now, Paul and the people that are with him, they've gone through different regions And when they came to the region of Galata, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word there. And afterward, they'd come to Mysia. They tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit wouldn't permit them. The Holy Spirit forbade them. The Spirit wouldn't permit them. And passing through through Mysia, they came down to Troyes. And in a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood pleading, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, notice what they were doing. They're trying to go and preach the gospel. So first of all, they're they're forbidden to go to Asia. They're trying. Then they try to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit won't permit them. And then Paul has a vision, or we would say a dream, at night. Now, here's here's the, the principle. So often, most of us are waiting for the vision. We're waiting for something to happen, something spectacular right? And we're, we assume that we have a green light. Excuse me, we assume we have a red light, and we're waiting for a green light. But what Paul did was the opposite. Paul assumed he had a green light. He tries to go to Asia. He tries to go to Bithynia. He's, he's moving. And then as he's moving, God gives him direction. And what we need to do is we need to assume that we have a green light, not a red light, but a green light. And if God wants to stop us, he will. That's what he did with Paul. Now Paul and in his group, they're thinking, "Well, let's go to Asia." But the Spirit forbade them. And then they wanted to go over to Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't permit them. So they are assuming that they're in the will of God, that they're doing the right thing. And when they were out of the will of God, God let them know. He took away their peace, he took away their grace. And that way, they stayed in the will of God. And finally, God gives them a vision and says, go in this direction. Don't be one of the Christians who's just sitting back, constantly waiting for the vision. Assume that you have a red light, excuse me, a green light, not a red light. And do the will of God. Do what's in your heart to do. And if it's not the will of God, then God will let you know. And lastly, get counsel. Get counsel from others. There's so many verses in the book of Proverbs. And I think it's interesting that Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived except for Jesus, was constantly getting counsel and talking about how important getting counsel from others is. But uh, Paul said, after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I also took Titus with me. And I went by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. But privately, to those who have reputation, least by any means I might run or had run in vain. He had had supernatural revelation from Jesus. Jesus personally taught Paul the gospel, but he came and he presented it to Peter, James, John, to other apostles and got their counsel. See, so often we say, well, God spoke to me. In fact, I've had people say that. They said, "Well, God told me. Well, once you say God told you? What you do is you put yourself on a pedestal and nobody can say anything. You can't get any counsel and it's not wise. The right thing to do is when you're thinking about doing something, find godly people, godly men and women that God has put in your life and tell them and ask them to pray with you and get counsel. Is this right? Is this not right? And when we put those things together, we end up right in the middle of God's will for our life. Well, I want to thank you so much for uh, being with me tonight. And we've just shared the word. But I'd like you to bow your head for just a moment. Right where you're at, if you possibly can. I know some of you actually may even be driving in a car. Do not bow your head. Do not close your eyes. But if you're watching tonight and you're away from God, you want to live for him, but you're not living for him. Or you say, I know I'm not right with God. And I want to get right. What does God want from me? I want you to listen. First thing God wants is he wants you to surrender your life, surrender your life to Jesus, to receive him as your Lord and your King. He died for you so that you could live for him. And then wants want you to receive the forgiveness that he has for you and become a part of God's kingdom. So I'm going to ask you, if you're away from God, not right with God, would you bow your head, pray this prayer out loud. Just say, Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. He's my king and my Lord. I receive the forgiveness Jesus purchased for me. I thank you my past is gone, that I'm a part of your family. Today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.